as we start out, I want to remind you of <clears throat> two things. Um, so one is actually not a reminder because you haven't heard this yet. It's just an FYI. Uh, Judy is going to be live painting during the service. So this is an invitation. If you have kids with you uh, that you think would follow along better during the sermon, um, if they can see that visual art, feel free to go ahead and move your seat if you... Uh, want to get a better view. She's going to be right over here. So uh, if you want a better view of that, feel free to go ahead and change your seat right now so that you can, so your kiddos can uh, see what's going on. And then kids who are in the family worship area. Hey, kiddos. Kiddos, I'm talking to you. Hey. <laughs> we are getting ready to watch a video. So my friend Nathan is going to tell our Bible story today on a video. And we're getting ready to watch it. And you this is actually from your class. So this is the video from your class that if you were in Sunday school right now, you would be watching. So make sure you watch and pay attention. Listen to Nathan. He's going to be playing a sport. Can you guess what sport he's playing? What do you think? Uh, lacrosse? Basketball? Nope. Pickleball? Nope. What do you think he's playing? Tennis, you're right. He's playing tennis, and he's going to use the game of tennis to tell us today's Bible story. So make sure you have a good seat. As soon as the video ends, we are going to move into a discussion time. You're perfect. We're going to move into a discussion time. Guess what? This is the one Sunday, fifth Sundays are the one Sunday of the year that you actually are going to be allowed to talk during the sermon. And not just allowed, but encouraged to talk during the sermon. So make sure you have other people around you. If you're sitting by yourself, move towards a little bit of a crowd so that you have other people to talk to during that time. And I will lead us through that discussion time. So let's go to Nathan and hear today's Bible story. Hey, I'm Nathan. And one of my favorite things in the world is tennis. No matter what time of the year it is, you can find me on the court. But imagine, what if I had a broken foot? That would be terrible. I've been thinking a lot about this lately. Like, why does stuff happen that feels so unfair? I mean, we can all look around and see things are just not how they're supposed to be, right? There's sickness, pain, people fighting. But why? Why does all this broken and messed up stuff exist? Whenever I have questions like this, I wanna see what the Bible says, because the Bible is God's true message to us about himself. When we read the Bible, we discover more about who God is and how we should live. The Bible says that God created everything in the world, but he didn't create it broken. He created it perfect. So I know what you're thinking. What happened to that perfect world? Let's open our Bible to the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, and see how God's perfect world was broken and got really messed up. Let's check it out. Adam and Eve disobeyed God. When God created the world, he made a garden called Eden. God made beautiful trees that were good for food. In the middle of the garden, God placed two special trees, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God made a man and told him that he could eat from any tree in the garden. But God told him not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If the man ate from the tree, he would die. Then God said to the man, it is not good for you to be alone. 
a deep sleep came over the man. While he slept, God took one of his ribs and used it to form woman. The man was Adam and the woman was Eve. One day, a crafty serpent spoke to Eve. Did God really say, you can't eat from any tree in the garden? Eve corrected the serpent. We may eat fruit from any tree except the one in the middle of the garden. God said, you must not touch or eat that fruit or you will die. The serpent tried to deceive the woman. No, you won't die. God knows you will become like him when you eat from that tree. You will know good and evil. Eve looked at the fruit on the tree. She saw that it was good to eat and pleasing to look at, and it would make a person wise. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some of the fruit to Adam who was with her, and he ate it too. Immediately, Adam and Eve realized what they had done. Immediately, Adam and Eve knew things they had never known before. They realized they didn't have any clothes on, so they tried to cover themselves and hide from God. That evening, God called to Adam, where are you? Adam was hiding. God asked, did you eat from the tree I told you not to? Adam told God, the woman you gave me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. God said to the woman, what have you done? Eve told God, the serpent tricked me. That's why I ate the fruit. God told the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed. You will move on your belly and eat dust. Then God told Eve, you will have great pain when you have a baby. God told Adam, you must work hard to grow your food now and one day you will die. Then God said, the man can now tell the difference between good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out and pick fruit from the tree of life and eat it. So God sent them out of the garden so they wouldn't eat the fruit and live forever like this. Okay, so God put Adam and Eve in the perfect place and they really messed up. They chose to disobey what God said to do and did what they wanted to do instead. The Bible calls that sin. And even though Adam and Eve were the first to sin and disobey God, they weren't the last. We have all sinned, and that is why we live in a broken world that feels messed up and unfair. Sin messes everything up. When we look around, we see things that are broken, not the way they're supposed to be. We see sad stuff like families that fight, scary stuff like tornadoes that destroy houses, and even people who disappoint us or let us down. All that broken and unfair stuff is because of sin. But the broken world around us isn't the only thing messed up. We are messed up and broken because of sin too. The Bible says that everybody sins and that the punishment for sin is death. That means that we're all guilty of doing what we think is best instead of following God's best. And what do we deserve for our sin? Well, we deserve brokenness. Even if it doesn't feel fair, all of this is here because of us. Now we have broken stuff in our world, but even more, we have a broken relationship with God. But that's not the end of the story. God had a plan to make his world and the people in it new again. God provided the perfect solution to our sin problem, his son, Jesus. Because God loves us, he sent Jesus to take the punishment for our sin so we would not have to be separated from God forever. When we respond to this good news by trusting in Jesus, God forgives us and makes us new. So when you see how broken the world is, you can remember that sin messes everything up. It breaks our world. And even more importantly, 
it breaks our relationship with God. But God had a bigger and better plan to make all things new again. One day, Jesus will come back and make everything unbroken and new. But until then, I can trust that God is still in control. Even when I don't understand what's happening around me or something feels unfair, I can know that God sees me, that he loves me, and that he's with me, no matter what. All right, thank you, Nathan. All right, if you are not sitting near another human, let's fix that right now. Make sure you are sitting near other humans. Kiddos who are in the family worship area, go back to your parentals real quick. You are, you are able to do this discussion time. So go ahead and find your folks that you came with. <clears throat> and then go ahead and pull out this half sheet that says talk about it. And that's what's going to lead us through our discussion. Okay, everybody have somebody to talk about it with? It feels, you know, it feels a little weird if you're talking about it just with yourself, right? Um, then people, then that's how rumors get started. Uh, so <clears throat> here's our first question, okay? What did Eve think would happen when she ate the forbidden fruit? So go ahead and talk about that together. What did Eve think would happen when she ate the forbidden fruit? So what Eve thought would happen, what did Eve think would happen? And what did she think was going to happen? Did she think she was going to get really smart? Yeah, no, all the things. Well, here, this leads us to our next question. What really happened? What really happened? So turn to the people with you and discuss that. What really happened?
So who wants to answer that for us? What really happened when Eve ate that fruit? What really happened? Kellen, what really happened? Did it go like she thought it would? Was it as wonderful and awesome as she thought it was going to be? Was it really amazing and awesome and wonderful? No. What happened? They looked down, they realized they didn't have any what? They didn't have any clothes on and they got really, really embarrassed and they ran and hid from God and from each other. Yeah, it didn't work out quite the same way she thought it would. Okay, well, that leads us to number three. What are some examples of ways that sin affects the world around us? How does sin affect the world around us? Oh, you're right, JJ. It makes it imperfect. You're right. Turn to the people next to you first. We got to give everybody a chance. Gavin, how does sin affect the world around us? Yeah. Ooh, did you guys hear that? Say it one more time, that last sentence. Every time there is sin, something is hurt. Yes. Things don't work the way they're supposed to because of sin, right? Everything gets broken. I like that. Um, well, that's the bad news. We have a little bit more bad news to go. Number four, what are some ways that sin affects people in our relationships with other people? So how does sin affect us? Not just the world, but how does sin affect us as people? Now, Donovan, if you are honest, do you always act towards your mom exactly the way you should? Do you always speak kindly and respectfully and do everything the first time as soon as she asks you? What about uh, Paige? Are you always nice to your sisters? Are you always so perfectly kind to them and patient with them? No, no. Sin affects the way that we are with other people, too. It breaks our relationships. Okay, well, here's our last question. Why did God send Adam and Eve out of the garden after they ate the forbidden fruit? Was he punishing them, or was there another reason? Don't tell us yet. Don't tell us the answer yet. Let people discuss it first. See if they can get it, too. It was at the very end of the Bible story video. <clears throat> I 
Okay, JJ, why did God send Adam and Eve out of the garden? They hurt his feelings. I bet he was pretty sad, but that's not why he sent them out of the garden. Do you remember the last sentence in the Bible story video said, he didn't want them to live that way forever. Do you remember that? Because what was also in the garden was the tree of life. So if they had kept eating from that tree, guess what? They would have lived that way forever. Things would have been broken forever. But God was merciful. He was so full of mercy. And he said, I have a better plan. Okay, great. You did a great job. So let's turn forward again. Kids, if you uh, want to go back to the family worship area, you're welcome to. If you want to stay with your families, you're welcome to do that too. Well, I have a question to start us out. Have you ever heard somebody ask, why do bad things happen? Have you ever heard that? Maybe it was uh, after a, a bad headline, a really sad headline that came through the news. Or maybe someone died that they knew and they said, why do bad things happen? Maybe you have asked that question yourself. Now, sometimes we struggle to understand the hard things that happen in the world and in our very own lives. If God is loving, why does he allow bad things to happen to us? Well, our Bible story for today tells us the answer. The bad things that happen are the result of our own choice to sin. sin. That's right. When Adam and Eve broke God's rules, everything else in the world and in us got broken as well. Now, I remember when I was first introduced to the idea of sin. I had grown up in church my whole life. Every time the church doors were open, my family was there. But for us, church was a place to see friends, to sing some beautiful songs together, and to get a donut. Because there was a family in our church that owned a bakery, and they would bring tons and tons of free, delicious donuts every single week. It was glorious. But in all the time that I spent at church, I never heard anyone talk about sin. Church was a place where good people came to be good together and to enjoy some really good donuts. Don't forget about the donuts. But something in me knew that that did not make sense. In my heart of hearts, I knew that I wasn't good all the time. Not really, not all the time, not even almost all the time, and not just when my mom wasn't watching. The summer before I started middle school, I went to a Christian camp. I did not know what to expect from that week. See, I didn't know anyone there, not a single soul. So I was just happy to make friends, to sing the songs, to survive the really terrible camp food, and to feel like I kind of fit in. I definitely was not expecting what was going to happen. On the next to last night of camp, we hiked up a small hill to an open clearing. Some of the camp staff had already gone ahead of us and they had made a small bonfire. So they sat us around the fire, we sang a song or two. And then you guessed it, we all made s'mores and we had a great night and went home. No, that's not what happened. 
After we started singing, after we finished singing, one of the camp directors stood up and he started talking to us about sin. I was shocked to find out that the wrong things that I do are not just mistakes. They aren't boo-boos or whoopsie-daisies or growth areas. I was shocked to find out that the wrong things I do are called sin. And my sin didn't just wrong my sister or my parents or that weird annoying kid at school. My sin ultimately wrongs God. All of it, all of my sin is against God. Now at this point, you could have scooped my jaw up off the ground. I was shook, as the kids say these days. I could not believe it. What could be done? I felt terrible. I had done so many terrible, wicked, wrong things to God, and I hadn't even known it. Now Jerry Bridges, in his book, The Pursuit of Holiness, says this. We never see sin aright until we see it as against God. All sin is against God in the sense that it is his law that's broken, his authority that's despised, and his government that is set at naught. Well, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that night I did begin to see sin the right way. I saw that I was, in fact, a colossal sinner. But what can be done about this? Because God was just, as you heard Nathan say, he must punish sin. And the only right punishment for sin is death. That's right. Oh, yikes. I was doomed. But there was hope. You don't have to stay this way, the leader explained. God has offered a solution for your sin problem. His son, Jesus. He then began to explain that Jesus had lived the perfect life that I couldn't lead. He never sinned, not even once. And he offered that perfect life to me. Through faith in Jesus, I could have access to all the right things that he had done. That is what is meant when the Bible tells us that Abraham believed the Lord and that God credited his faith to him as righteousness. Genesis 15, 6. God literally credits my account with Jesus' righteousness, his right deeds. It's as if I had always lived the way I was supposed to. No sin at all. No fights with my siblings. No unkind words. No jealousy over what another person had. No half-truths and no excuses. No sin. Not one. None. It was like an absolute dream come true. I couldn't believe my ears. Why would Jesus do such a thing? And why would he offer this gift to me? I didn't understand it, but I knew one thing for sure. I wanted it. And so right then and there, sitting at the fire, I quietly said in my heart, thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me. I believe that you love me and you want me to have peace with God again. I accept your amazing gift, and I want to walk with you all of my days. And something happened that night. My life didn't suddenly become perfect. The hard things did not suddenly go away. 
but I had hope. And Jesus was now so close that I could almost touch him. I now had someone with me through the hard things. And I knew that the hard things had happened to Jesus too. The worst things actually. And that he had chosen them. Jesus had chosen to experience those hard things for me. So that he could now experience my hard things with me. And so that one day he could conquer all hard things forever. That's good news, right? To close us out, I want us to take a better look at that promise from Jesus to conquer all hard things forever. We find it in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, starting at verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. We started our time by asking the question, why do bad things happen? The answer is sin. sin. Our own sin, as well as other people's sin, has broken everything in this world. It has broken our relationship with creation, our relationship with God, our relationship with other people, and even our relationship with ourselves. But God has promised a day when Jesus will come back. And when he does, he will fix everything that sin has broken, even your heart and even mine. He won't just put a Band-Aid on those things or some crazy glue. He will make everything brand new. And even though we're still waiting for that day when Jesus will return, we can have hope now. When Jesus died on the cross, he defeated the power of sin, which means he's already started fulfilling that promise to us. Jesus has already started the work of making all things new. He has started that work in the heart and life of every person who puts their faith in him. He's making us new from the inside out. Bad things are still going to happen to us in this life, but we have a Savior who walks with us. And we have a Savior with a plan, a plan to make all things beautiful and shiny and right and new. And he always keeps his promises. How do I know that? Because he says so. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. So even in the midst of the bad things that happen this week or next week or next month or next year, be encouraged. Jesus is with you as you walk through them. He's already begun the good work of making your heart new. And we're promised today when we'll get to see that work finished. We'll get to enjoy the world and each other as God intended. No more tears, no more sickness, no more pain, no more funerals. 
just all things new and more and more of Jesus forever and ever. And all God's people in one voice together celebrated that promise by saying, Amen. Awesome. Let's pray together. God, we pray that you would apply your word to our hearts. Would you fill us with hope? Every hard thing that we experience, every brokenness that comes as a result of our sin and others, fill us with hope and make us new. Make our hearts like yours, Jesus. Help us more and more to become like you, to become who you intended us to be that one day we would rejoice at seeing you face to face, that we would get to see this world made brand new, and that we would celebrate and rejoice together just as you intended. Encourage our hearts this week with that promise. We pray it in your name, Jesus. Amen. I want to remind us of the picture that we started with. It's a tree and it's a garden. And the garden started out good, didn't it? Everything was just the way that God intended for it. And then that dirty old snake entered the picture. You see him there? And he said, if you eat this fruit, you can be like God. But is that possible? No. God alone is God. But she believed him. Eve believed that lie. And she ate that fruit. And what happened? Everything in the picture got broken. Would you put up that slide, Larissa, that said if there's suffering in this life, something like that? <clears throat> the words from the song, and should this life bring suffering? I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but it will, <laughs> okay? This life will bring suffering. It will. But guess what? Turn to the next slide. What Calvary has bought for you both now and forevermore. Keep going is that we now know for certain in our bones that God is good because we have Jesus with us through the suffering. And we are promised a day when everything broken is going to be unbroken. Everything's going to be made new. That picture is going to look totally different and unlike anything we can imagine. So this week, friends, when you experience suffering or when you see others experience suffering, hold out the hope of Jesus that he is with us now and forevermore and that there's a day coming when he will return and set all things right. If you know that, hold on to that hope this week. If you don't yet know Jesus in that way, come see Mike or I afterwards. Don't leave that way, okay? We love you. He's with you. And we want to be with you too. Go in peace in his name. Amen.